the wind on the small piece of land that served as the headquarters for the permanent Azkaban patrol was strong, even for early September. Bill could hear it whistling outside, and grunted in annoyance when his brother Charlie opened the door, and a huge blast of air entered behind him. "'Watch what you're doing, will you?' he asked irritably, reaching forward to keep his parchment from flying off of the desk. "'Next time, apparate or something.' "'Who do you think I am?' asked Charlie, removing the omnoculars from around his neck and placing them on the rack. "'Percy?' "'Normal wizards don't bother to apparate when point A and point B are five feet apart from each other. "'They've been joking quite a bit about Percy over the last few weeks. "'Somehow it made his absence less painful.' Bill laughed. "'You're just afraid,' he accused Charlie, pointing a quill at him. "'Ever since you failed your first test, Charlie didn't have a chance to respond, because just then Mick opened the door, and this time Bill was unable to keep his papers from flying around the room. "'Oi!' he said, scrambling to retrieve his work. "'You two are going to drive me mad!' Charlie and Mick had been working around the clock over the past several weeks, trying to prepare for the implementation of the permanent Azkaban patrol. It had been a daunting task, and Bill was still amazed that two men who seemed outwardly to be so reckless and disorganized had managed to pull it off. First, they had established several outposts on the islands surrounding Azkaban. The largest bit of land served as a holding pen for the nine dragons. The eight Welsh greens that had been selected for this mission did not mind being housed so closely together, and the one Norwegian ridgeback had always been an unusual case, and was actually quite attached to people, even if his way of showing affection was to blow fire in the direction of your face. Already, close to sixty witches and wizards had arrived and were working day and night to feed and care for the dragons. Many of them had been dragon riders during the war, and, although unwilling to take on the dragon riding at Azkaban, they had been eager for a chance to work with the creatures on land. The entire staff lived in a rather makeshift dormitory on an isolated rock on the other side of Azkaban. A team of house-elves had been employed to cook and maintain the living quarters. Since the Patronus team was still operating day and night until the dragon-riding schedule was in place, things were getting a bit crowded. "'What are you working on, anyway?' asked Charlie, moving to get a closer look at what Bill was writing. "'Why are you inside, dry and warm, while we're out there?' He jerked his thumb in the general direction of the door, risking our lives. "'Full of it today, aren't you?' Bill asked, dipping his quill in the ink and not looking up. "'I'm drafting a ministry summons to the professional enchanter from Charismatic Spellcraft International so that he'll come out to Azkaban before going on to Gringotts. Dad asked me to do it. He's supposed to start in a few days, and we need him here first, don't we? The Charismatics contact said that the charmer they're sending has some experience in masking magical creatures. A crackling noise in the fireplace caused all three of them to turn their heads. A moment later, Rose K. Brown's deceptively sweet face appeared. Charlie backed away, as though he were at school and had forgotten to turn in a homework assignment, while Mick boldly approached and shot her what he probably thought was a winning smile. "'How may we help you today, Ms. Secretary Privy?' he asked. Bill thought that she'd stared at Mick for a bit longer than necessary, but she didn't smile in return as she answered. "'Today was the deadline. 
Have you got all the riders or not? Mick checked his watch. It's only three in the afternoon, he said. We've got until midnight, haven't we? Rose sighed so heavily that the flames visibly flickered away from her. The PAP cannot go into effect without the riders. Charlie held up a hand. We've got seven. I've heard back from someone this morning. He'll be arriving in a few days. I'm surprised he agreed. He's got a wife and a young baby at home. But he says he wants to do it. He's not British. We'll have to ask Dad to sign a waiver to allow him to work on the project, but I don't expect it to be much of a problem. Who is it? asked Bill curiously. Is it one of the Quidditch players? It is, and you'll never guess who it is. Charlie looked delighted with himself and raised his eyebrows at Bill. You're right, I won't. So why don't you just tell me? Rose appeared to be looking down at something. She refused to take Charlie's bait. Yes, Charlie, please do tell us so that I can let your father know. I've got a meeting with him here at the ministry in half an hour. It's Victor Crumb, Charlie said, looking excited. Victor buggering Crumb. Can you believe it? I mean, we saw him play at the Quidditch World Cup, remember? I saw him fight a dragon at the Triwizard Tournament, and now he's coming here. Crumb, said Rose, appearing to be writing something down, although they could still only see her head. How do you spell that? C-R-U-M-B? Mick rolled his eyes. K-R-U-M, said Charlie, through gritted teeth. Oh, that's right, said Rose dismissively. Let me know as soon as you hear from anyone else. I'll give this information to Arthur in a moment. Is everything else under control? Her eyes narrowed as she looked at Charlie. He groaned. Yes, ma'am. Everything is quite under control, but if you'd like to come out here this evening and change our net... He stopped when Mick punched him in the arm. Everything's okay, Rose. Mick answered her in an uncharacteristically gentle tone. Bill thought he saw a ghost of a smile cross Rose's face, but she merely said, Right, in a very businesslike tone, and with a pop, she disappeared from the fireplace. Mick blinked and turned to Charlie who looked as though he very much wanted to say something, but before he could, the door opened yet again. Sirius entered, shaking his wet hair out in a motion reminiscent of his animagus alter ego. This time, Bill had firm hold of his parchment. Sirius looked drained, but his eyes burned with intensity. He'd come to Azkaban that morning on the pretense of looking over the setup for the permanent Azkaban patrol. Instead, He'd spent the day out on Charlie's broomstick, circling Azkaban and watching the Dementors very, very closely. When Bill had gone out to check on him around noon, he'd been hovering in the air above the prison, just watching. It was almost as if he were trying to will them to disappear. Bill was relieved that Sirius had returned on his own, because he hadn't been looking forward to the thought of flying out there and forcing Sirius to come back to headquarters. "'How does everything look, Mr. Black?' asked Charlie, with a note of seriousness in his voice. Though many people were still frightened by Sirius Black, many others were full of awe and respect for him and what he'd done and what he'd been through. Along with Arthur Weasley, Sirius Black had led the Order of the Phoenix towards victory, and although some people chose not to acknowledge Black's involvement, others were appropriately grateful. Sirius nodded. "'Looks like it'll work,' he said gruffly. "'Those creatures, well, 
Hopefully, we won't have to use the dragons for very long. There must be a way to destroy them entirely. We'll find a way, Sirius, said Bill gently. Do you mind looking over this directive before I send it? I want to make sure it looks official. He handed his parchment to Sirius in hopes that it would give him something else to think about. Well, said Mick, stretching, it was nice to be here inside in the warmth, but I'm afraid I should head back out there again. Coming, Charlie? Charlie reached for his cloak and his omnioculars in answer, and Mick opened the door to leave. He was nearly blinded by two owls, both of who raced into the building as if they'd been waiting at the door, too shy to knock at the window. That's Hedwig, said Sirius, placing Bill's letter back down on the table and reaching out to the snowy owl, which hooted happily and flew toward Sirius's outstretched arm. He untied the letter from her leg, but before he could even look at it his attention was drawn, as was everyone else's, to the second owl. Looks like it's for you, Charlie, said Bill with a smirk. The tawny owl in question was a regular postal owl, and it was carrying an enormous red envelope that had all the markings of a howler. And sure enough, try as he might to back away, the owl kept following him and wouldn't deliver the letter to anyone else in the room. What's wrong? Bill asked. Did you do something to upset your assistant? No, said Charlie, reaching with a shaking hand toward the letter. Bill really couldn't blame him. They'd all, except for Percy and Ginny, managed to do something in their lives that had left them on the receiving end of a howler from their mum. Charlie looked at Bill, wild-eyed. What could I have done to upset mum? Bill shrugged, trying to look sympathetic. Even Charlie's fire-breathing dragon tattoo couldn't save him from the pain of a howler. Placing his hands over his ears, Bill said calmly, Go on, then. Be a man and open it. It'll be worse if you don't. Nodding, Charlie grabbed the bright red envelope quickly from the owl and slid it open with trembling hands. A loud, piercing shriek filled the room. Bill stuffed his fingers more securely in his ears, and Mick threw his cloak over his head. Sirius was watching unprotected, yet somewhat amused, and Charlie looked resigned to his fate, whatever it might be. "'How could you, Charlie, when you knew he'd say yes? Harry's been through enough already!' How could you ask him to come and fly on your damn stupid dragons and face Dementors, you great big prat? Bill's mouth fell open. Was that? Could it possibly be? Ginny? he shouted. Charlie just nodded mutely. Sirius had gone even more pale than usual and was staring at the letter in his hand. He still hadn't opened it, but Bill could now guess what it said. Did you even know that he was offered the position of seeker on the Chudley Cannons? He turned it down because he thinks he can't say no to all of you. Did you even bother to think before sending that letter? No, wait, who am I talking to? Of course you didn't think, you big dragon-loving idiot. I am disgusted, disgusted. I hope you're happy. Nothing had better happen to him or else. No, you know what? Nothing will happen to him because I'm coming out there as well. If Harry is riding the dragons, then I'm going to be out there watching. And I'm going to make your life hell, Charles Beauregard Weasley. You've dealt with dragons, but you haven't dealt with me. With that, the envelope transformed into a dragon, which promptly blew fire and burned itself up. 
The ashes drifted innocently to the floor. Charlie looked too shocked to speak. Bill unplugged his ears. Might as well have been from Mum, he said, quite impressed. Wonder where she gets it from. Beauregard? asked Mick with a snort. It was our grandfather's name, Charlie answered testily. Sirius held out the letter that Hedwig had delivered. When Charlie didn't notice, Sirius walked over and placed it in his hand. I guess we know what this is about now, don't we? he said gloomily. Sirius, Charlie said hoarsely, cowering a bit under the grim stare that Sirius was directing at him. I told him not to do it. I had to send the letter. Rose made me send them to everyone. But I told Harry not to do it. Yeah, well, since when has he ever listened to anyone? Dunno, shrugged Charlie, opening the letter, reading it, and then stuffing it in his pocket. I guess we know that Ginny's still got a crush on Harry Potter, though, don't we? Yeah, replied Mick. You Weasleys make a decision and stick to it, don't you? Fiercely loyal. Well, there's no way she's coming out here to do anything, said Bill, feeling protective, yet somewhat impressed with Ginny's threats. No way Mum and Dad'll let her. She still has to finish school. Why not let her come? asked Mick innocently. If Charlie's bringing his girlfriend, why can't Harry bring his? Bill wished for a moment that the howler was still in the room. He could have compared its color to Charlie's face. Shut up, he hissed at Mick. She is not my girlfriend. Who's not your girlfriend? Bill asked, trying to sound uninterested. Am I the only adult in this room? growled Sirius. Charlie, I'm not happy about this either, but I know it wasn't your fault, and quite frankly, Harry probably would have found his way out here without an invitation. Stupid, noble behavior is apparently a genetic trait. I've got to get back to Culperot before I head home this evening, so if you'll all excuse... There's another rap at the door. They all sighed loudly. What now? groaned Charlie. That had better be our ninth rider. Bill, being the oldest in a family of seven children, recognized the type of purple express owl immediately. The letter it carried was equally as purple and as fluffy. This time, the owl headed for Bill. Charlie looked relieved. A moment later, their mother's voice exploded into the air, but it wasn't angry. Rather, it was quite frantic. Penny's having the baby! It's coming now! Hurry home, all of you! Hurry! The message repeated three more times, and then the envelope exploded into a fanfare of blue and pink ribbons. Charlie's face had instantly gone a deathly white, and Bill could feel his own head growing light. The baby, he said slowly, looking around the room. Percy's baby! Go, said Mick, shoving both of them towards the fireplace. Use the flu, it's connected to the burrow, and I don't think either of you is in much of a state to apparate right now. I'll hold down the fort. For once, Bill didn't think to make fun of him.